0: network find your joy year-end special this is very exciting folks we are waving farewell to 2018 we're seeing 2019 on the horizon and you know what rob what's our mantra here at the network it is
1: as always find your joy exactly and what does that mean Basically, it's no matter what it is that you want to talk about, whether it's comic books or movies or TV or music or books, it's something that you enjoy. And it doesn't mean necessarily that you aren't critical of it or, or don't, don't see it uh, with, with crystal clear vision. But it's, it's stuff that you want to talk about because you like it and you want to talk about it to other people and you want to share it with other people. We're, our, our mission has never been to uh, hold something out just to bring it down. We want to talk about stuff that we love, and that's kind of been our mantra from the beginning. Exactly. You know, life's
0: too short to waste hating things. It really is. It, being happy is a much better medicine to keep you healthy and keep your life going forward. And so that's the, that's what we're following. And so here, what we want to do is look back on 2018, and instead of bemoaning the things that kind of suck, because there was a lot of sucky stuff, oh, yeah. uh, to <laughs> to look at the stuff that made us happy in 2018. And uh, the neat thing is, it's not just Rob and I alone. We have brought along some friends. So throughout this episode, you're going to be hearing from a few other folks from the Fire & Water Podcast Network that are going to share things that made them happy this year.
1: Yes, it's just like the summer sampler, except uh, only 10% of that length.
0: (laughs) Well, Rob, let's let's look back at 2018. Now, in all fairness, folks, we are recording this a little bit earlier. You're hearing this on New Year's Eve. So some of the stuff we're going to talk about, for example, maybe the first thing on the list... It's kind of actually in our future, but in your past. It's a little bit of Marty McFly going on here, I think. It's but... currently March. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, is there is there something important about 2018 that's right at the end of the year that might be good for the network and might make us a little joyful?
1: Uh, there's an Aquaman movie coming out, and I will never, what what? Ne- I will never be amazed. I will never not be amazed to say those words in that order. <laughs> Absolutely insane Yeah, at this
0: point Rob and I haven't seen the film yet However, uh, we've seen enough of the trailers We've read enough of the reviews That we're pretty darn excited about it And we're expecting that by this point uh, We probably all enjoyed it Hopefully this isn't like all the people that recorded an episode Right before Phantom Menace uh, (laughs) Oh god (laughs) But, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, how exciting is that for you, Rob? As someone who has been banging this drum since 2016, or so 2006, I'm sorry, 2006, how, what kind of joys does this bring you to see the poster in the, in the, in the lobby of the movie theater? Uh,
1: the, the number one thing that I, I, I come to, when I, and, I've been, and you know, I've been asked by a bunch of different people about it. I even got interviewed by the New York Post about Aquaman, <laughs> which is crazy, um, which should be appearing on December 21st, I believe, I think, in, in their print and online editions. But my number one thing is, and we've talked about this on the show for, for years now, where if if DC or, uh, DC puts out a Superman book or a Batman book or even a Wonder Woman book and it doesn't sell well and they cancel it, although no Batman books get canceled, but you know what I mean. But, I mean, like there will always be Superman and Batman. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if the current version that they do fails, they will just cancel it and start over with a new version because those characters are too important for ever to be gone for more than a month. And But Aquaman is not – was always not so lucky. You know, Aquaman has to kind of – he just doesn't have that immediate like, oh, we can just bring him right back. But but thanks to the efforts of Jeff Johns and uh, Ivan Reese and Joe Prado and, of course, the, the, you know, the people up at DC and Warner Brothers who have turned Aquaman into one of their – not to be cynical, but one of their major IPs now. He's always going to be around. And the movie is going to introduce a new generation of people to the character kind of the way – the aforementioned Johns and recent Prado did. And so I feel like even if uh, you know, the movie maybe isn't a huge hit or isn't quite the the monster side Wonder Woman hit that they need it to be or whatever, there will still be a movie out there forever. You know, it'll be on iTunes, it'll be on Blu-ray, and it'll just be this thing that's always around. And so it guarantees that multiple generations will be able to enjoy this character and in the, in the sort of... Um, you know, in kind of the, no pun intended, the wave of, of Aquaman merch coming out from the movie, a lot more Aquaman is now in back in print, which is <laughs> really important because so much of the great Aquaman stories were, were out of print. It means you had to go to a comic book store to find them. But now you can go to in-stock trades and buy a lot of this stuff. And so future generations of, of fans will be able to enjoy the character the way I have, and that's my number one takeaway. Even if the movie is not all that great, uh, you still – that part is, is happening no matter what.
0: Well, I want to expand upon one thing you said where you mentioned how uh, if Batman or Superman get their comic book canceled, there'll always be another one. You know, one thing – another thing too though is, is Batman and Superman have been pretty much in continuous extra media. Right, as long as we've been alive, Superman or Batman have been in live-action movies or, or cartoons or some or, you know t- toys at Underoos, whatever. they've been out there in the public eye. Aquaman hasn't had that chance. So this is really his first big chance of breaking out in this way, uh, other than the TV series probably in the '60s. This is the closest thing. And uh, it's very exciting. It really is. I mean, we're going from something that's published in, in hard copy to being live action on the screen. I mean, it's almost as exciting as when Battlefield Earth what got turned into a movie. Cause I mean, it's probably going to be just as popular.
1: It's almost that exciting. Yes. <laughs>
0: oh man. Oh man. So very, very big deal. So, uh, I'll mention uh, on the firestorm front, we haven't had a lot of exciting things this year, but we did have something really darn cool in the DC's nuclear winter special. We did have firestorm who made it, it had a wonderful, wonderful story by Paul Dini and Jerry Ordway. Uh, we did an episode a couple weeks ago on it. Uh, super fun. It was possibly the best firestorm story written in in like standalone story best firestorm standalone story maybe since jerry conway was doing the book i don't know i don't i don't want to i have to let time help me make that decision but it was that good and it was that joyful also it's worth mentioning firestorm is playing a major major part in the doomsday clock miniseries love it or hate it there's a lot of strong feelings there and my jury personal jury is still out on that book it's gonna have to see on the ramifications um firestorm is playing a pretty big role there so you know all new, uh, all press is good press. So it was
1: getting exposure. So that's nice. Absolutely, yeah. I really love that story. That was terrific. Great, great way to kind of end on the year on a firestorm comic that was just terrific. Oh, okay. You meant
0: the nuclear winter special. You didn't yes. mean Doomsday Clock.
1: No, I'm sorry. I meant yeah. I meant the nuclear okay. winter special.
0: Since I just mentioned the episode we did a while ago, there's actually a few things that we've done on the network that I'm extraordinarily proud of. I mean I'm proud of every episode we do, especially the ones I do without you, Rob. But there's a few ones I did that I just – I don't know. Looking back at the year, I'm like, you know, know, I don't – I always find flaws whenever I do an episode. I always regret what I said. Rob hears from me all the time. I always go, I don't think that one came out that good. But there's certain – once in a while, you just look and go – I'm kind of proud of that. And there's a few ones. Uh, the People versus the DC Films that Daniel Cynical Adams and I did, where he defended the DC movies. You know, love the movies, hate the movies, whatever. It was an interesting conversation. It was seeing things from a different side for both uh, both people on each side of the fence there. And I, I thought it was pretty interesting. It was a bit of an experiment. Then the uh, Marvel and DC film bracket we did, which was just an absolute hoot, and it broke Michael Bailey and Chris Franklin's friendship forever. It did
1: I, that. Oh I, boy. I consider
0: that a personal triumph. (laughs) The Hatfields
1: and the McCoys now,
0: right? But it was super fun. Like even my wife and daughter listen to that thing. They don't listen to any of this stuff. Uh, The the summer sampler we did was pretty amazing. And
1: (laughs) all seventeen hours of it, right?
0: I I still haven't. I'm listening to it right now. I still haven't (laughs) finished it. That's a little more ambitious than we probably intended, but uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of good stuff in there.
1: Oh, and man, we have to give mad props to Zoom for putting it all together. He did all the really heavy lifting, and we do mean heavy. Yes, it was.
0: It was a monstrous work, and uh, we we still owe him uh, lots of thanks for that. Uh, another episode that you know was wasn't intended to be a big episode, but we did it, and it was a lot of fun. The "What If" Justice League Detroit episode that you and I did—yeah, that where, was a
1: blast. It really was.
0: It surprised me how much fun that was. Where we each came up with our own version of what Justice League Detroit would be, and we announced it a couple of weeks in advance. And we actually got a bunch of people who wrote in uh, even after the episode was released. Like you know, Michelle Fife. You know, published uh, comic professional jumped in and did his own version of what he would love to see for Justice League Detroit, and it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of uh, community in that
1: one. I any enjoyed it. any podcast that we do that inspires Michelle Fife to do an original piece of artwork for it, that is a winning podcast. <laughs>
0: that is true. That is true. Uh, the Who's Who has been wonderful to get back into that this year. You know, we, we sort of almost we kind of had a whole year off, really, because uh, you did Star Trek and I did Legion in 2017. And now in 2018, we've started The Loose Leaf. It's a very exciting time for me because I was a huge, huge fan of that. You, you're discovering some things, and I think you're finding that some of it's better than you thought. I think
1: so. We've been, I've been enjoying you. it. I've been enjoying going through it absolutely and you launched who's that which is great that's been a lot of fun too yes that we that well we that's there is we've discovered so much cool i I think you and i could do who's that every month for the next five years and not run out of characters we found so much cool stuff true just a matter of finding time to do them I can't wait to do the one on barter. Uh, And then uh, Who's Who also gave
0: us the katana banana, which has been a great ongoing joke from our good buddy David Ace Gutierrez that is never, ever going to die. And I even own a T-shirt with that on it now. It makes me so happy.
1: We have sold so many of those T-shirts, and I want to know who the hell is buying those things.
0: (laughs) It's not me, I swear. I think somebody's given out his Christmas presents. Um, I'm also very, very proud of every episode of JLI, and that is not me. That is the guests. Uh, it's been a wonderful collection of guests this past year. I love all the folks that have done that show. I'm so excited about the ones you guys are going to hear this coming year. I, it's so much fun to revisit this era, and it's so much, so even more fun to do it with other friends. Um, Beyond our network, I I have been extremely fortunate where several people have invited me to be on their show this past year. Uh, A lot more folks than I can name here, and also, quite frankly, I'm afraid I'm going to forget somebody. So I don't want to rattle off a bunch of people and then break somebody's heart. I will just mention two shows that are relatively recent that stick out in my mind. Not playing favorites, but these just two, again, recent, and uh, they, they were a lot of fun to do. I did one with Michael Bailey where he and I talked about the 25th anniversary of the death and return of Superman. And the reason why I enjoyed this so much was Mike wanted me on the show to talk about it uh, as a perspective as a retailer because back then I actually worked in a comic book shop and I was there working when you know, the death of Man happened. So that was a lot of fun. It's just revisiting a very happy time in my life. It's the best job I ever had, man. Working in a comic shop? Are you kidding? It was awesome. And then uh, more recently, I was on the Marvel Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, and Gregor Rougeau and Sean Ross were kind enough or foolish enough, whichever way you choose to see that, to invite me on there to talk about uncanny X-Men in the era of Secret Wars 2, which is when I started reading X-Men. And as much as I love Firestorm, dude, there was 10 years where I was a diehard X-Men guy. I mean, they, I freaking loved the X-Men for 10 years. So uh, it was really, really fun to dive in and really explain. Did you ever go through an X-Men
1: phase? I read X-Men for many years, yeah. I read it from the Byrne era through the Paul Smith era into the John Romita Jr. era, and then at some point I just I, – I woke up one day and I was like, I have no idea what's going on anymore. I'm done with this book, and I've literally never read another X-Men comic since. See, I still dive back in
0: because, you know, with Marvel Unlimited, I'll see something on that. will just catch my attention. Like, huh, what's that X-Men series? What, what's, uh, you know, what's Amazing X-Men? Eh, I'll give it a try. Next thing I know, I've read 15 issues, you know, or whatever. Uh, and so I, I – Consistently, find myself diving back in just for fun. And uh, I, apparently, it's still in my blood. I, you gotta love it. Um, I did wanna talk about some of the folks I've had an opportunity to hang out with this past year f- friends of the friends of the network, nuclear subs, other podcasters, people that have become friends, people that have become family, really. And I'm gonna rattle off a whole bunch of people here, so forgive me. But uh, they just wanted their shout outs to these folks and just letting you know that uh, these are awesome people. If you get a chance to meet them, you absolutely should. Well, not the first one. The first one's David A. Scudieras. He's a bum. But uh, I did get to see him over at the Gallifrey One convention. I get to see him in the, a couple of months again. I was looking forward to hanging out with him. He is, of course, the owner and operator of the aforementioned Katana Banana. Also got to see my good buddy Mike Harlow, who's a former co-worker of mine at the comic book shop and a recent host on the Justice League International Podcast. Got to meet Mark Baker-Wright from Black Rock's Toy Box. He has been a frequent commenter over the years and loves to take us to task on various issues. Uh, and then got to see Brian Ng, who's also a longtime listener and a fellow Doctor Who fan. Got to hang out with all 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 those guys at Gallifrey won. And this year we're going to see – I think I'm going to see them all again and even more people like uh, Professor Allen is going to be there and the Sutherlands. It's going to be so much fun. Sutherlands are everywhere. They go to every convention. It's like it's. It, I think it's like a law or something. It's it's part of their tax return or tax write off. But then I went to the Baltimore Comic Con. Sadly, Rob couldn't join us, but I did get to see a lot of our friends, like Little Russell Burbage from the Legion of Super Bloggers, and a longtime friend. I didn't see him wearing his angry pants though, Rob. I, I think he forgot to pack them. And then hung out with Luke Dobb from Dobb Creative, of course, and the most dastardly creative man alive. And he's got that.
1: Were you chased by women like it's hard day's night?
0: Well, you know he. Uh, I don't think this is any secret. Uh, Luke and Russell and I all shared a room, and Luke was doing his hair one morning, and he had, like, some sort of hair cream, and we're all like, oh, that's what does it. That's the miracle cure, and we've got, like, pictures of him holding it up with that smoky look in his eyes and just goofing around. He's a hoot. I'm, I'm picturing
1: uh, the, the Happy Days credits where Fonz is about to comb his hair, and then he's <laughs> just like, hey, this is perfect.
0: Yeah, That's about what it was every morning when Luke would get out of bed That's true uh, Also hanging out, uh, hanging out with us at the convention was Stella Of course from Background Oracle And Derek Crabb from Fan Holes and History of Comics on Film uh, Both great friends of the network And Keechee Baker who's a long long time friend of mine And a big Firestorm fan And a recent JLI guest And the aforementioned Darren and Ruth Sutherland Of course they were there because it's a convention <laughs> Of the Rad Adventures Network uh, Got to meet Tim Price Super nice guy, he's a big JLI fan He writes into the uh, Marvel uh, oh Hot Move or Not podcast He writes into actually almost every podcast on the air Near as I can tell But he's also a future guest to the JLI show Super nice guy, really enjoyed hanging out with him Got to see Gene Hendricks and his family from, and Of course Gene from the Two True Freaks Network That was wonderful and, you know He does the Quantum Cast and a lot of other shows And he is the only man still alive To have hosted both Rob and I inside their house hmm. He's got to be doing something right Good living <laughs> Got to meet Michael Lane, uh, our buddy from Comics in the Golden Age. And guess what I just found out? He used to shop at my comic shop when I was working there. Same town. We apparently met in the 90s. (laughs) Had no idea. Uh, we we don't actually have a genuine memory of each other, but we got talking about my hometown, and he did the the conversation went and went and went. And he wasn't a regular at my store, but he says he went there, and I was the manager. I was there, you know, five out of seven days a week, so more than likely he was.
1: Buying comics for me back in the 90s. Who knew? How crazy you, is that? You're pretty memorable, Shag. So I think the only way Michael Lane <laughs> could not have remembered meeting you is that this is the one you're talking with is post-crisis Michael Lane. He's had his it memory wiped. He's new histories. It's, or, it's,
0: or it's the flashpoint Michael Lane. Could be either one. <laughs> um, of course, we got to see Tom Zoller from Love and Capes and uh, Time and Divine and Rob's old roommate. So That's what,
1: <laughs> that's what he's fun. most famous for. I believe it they, is. I believe they
0: put that in the Cupid School ad, too. That's how he signs the autographs. (laughs) Tom, Rob's roommate, Zoller. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I got to see Tom Panarese, and I met his son, of course Tom from Pop Culture Affidavit. It was great to catch up with them. I met Travis Fowler like super briefly. I wish I got a chance to talk with him more. He's another one of our nuclear subs. He stopped me and it was like I was on my way at the door. I was running. I'm like, what? Who? Oh my gosh! It was like a super short conversation, but so so glad he stopped me. And I know I'm forgetting some other folks, and I'm so sorry for anyone that I'm just I'm blanking on. Uh, I also got to mention some of the amazing creative folks that I got to meet. That I met tons of people. I'm not going to rattle them all off, but some that I had some real sort of more extensive conversations with that was really kind of meaningful to me was uh, I did get to have a very long conversation with Jerry, the extraordinary Ordway. That was awesome. Uh, John Ostrander, Firestorm writer, Jeff Parker, my complete man crush. Oh my gosh. I think he's awesome. Uh, Paris Collins, John K. Schneider third, Jamal Eigel, uh, Carl Kessel, Ramona Fraden, and Tom Palmer. All, each one of them, I had an amazing, wonderful interaction with that. I will remember for a very long time. Uh, I got to pick up the pace because I got a lot more to do here. So, All right. Uh, other folks I got to hang out with this year was Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, and uh, the guy who likes to sleep on my couch. Uh, Scott X, from the mind of Scott X. He and I got to hang out in Indianapolis and had ice cream at the Hard Rock Cafe. That was fun. Got to meet Joe Tonello, who's a JLI fan and a cosplayer. Nice, nice guy. Got to see Chris and Cindy Franklin and their kids. That was awesome, of course, from our Fire & Water podcast network. Love those guys. Such a great family. Uh, got to meet Nicholas Prom from Comic Reflections out in Portland. And got to meet a new friend, Rick Heineken from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. If you haven't listened to that show, folks, it's a fairly new show, but it's an absolute hoot, and Rick is a really, really nice guy. You should check it out. Uh, let's see. Okay. So since, since we're talking about finding our joy, stuff that I found this year that I enjoyed is sort of in the the media, sort of like you know movies, TVs, books, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I got a subscription to BritBox. Have you heard of this thing? Yes, we have a subscription to it. Do you really? Yes, oh, so you're watching Doctor Who too?
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
0: I have been watching the heck out of some old classic Doctor Who, like I do when I'm on the treadmill or when I'm doing whatever you know, whenever I want to watch. I can watch Doctor Who on my tablet now. It's so awesome! I've been watching a ton of it. Uh, of course, the new Doctor Who is premiered with Jodie Whittaker. She's wonderful. She's really great in the role. And yes, if you're wondering, she's hot. Yes, absolutely. But I would also go on to say that David Tennant was hot. I would say that Matt Smith was hot. I'd say Paul McGann was hot, and Peter Davison was hot. It's a long history of the Doctor being hot. So you know, just saying. Um, let's see. Also, personally, I've sort of reconnected with one of my favorite doctors, who's the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, the previous, the aforementioned Hot Doctor. Uh, I've been rereading his old comic strips from Doctor Who magazine, which are—I so, know there's a lot of fans out there that love those. They're so good. Uh, I've jumped back into a lot of the more recent audios, like Dark Eyes and Doom Coalition and the Time War. Those have been awesome from Big Finish, giving me a lot of joy. Uh, also, I've started back reading the original BBC novels that were published in the 2000s. Now, I was reading them back then, and they were published from uh, in 97 to 2000. 2005. And by 2002, I don't know, I I, somehow I kind of petered off. I'd read check this out. I had read 57 novels in this series. I kid you not. I had read that many. And somehow I lost steam. There was only 16 books left. Why did I stop? So uh, after 16 years away, I picked it back up. I'm reading the 58th book right now, History 101. And I'm very happy to be uh, starting this and I hope I get to finish the run. I hope I can stick with it. Now, I've been reading a lot of comics this year too, Uh, mainly Marvel for me because of Marvel Unlimited. I absolutely love it. I've been enjoying things like Mark. I keep trying to get you to read this. Mark Wade's Run on Champions is so good. I think you'd really dig it too, Rob, personally. I I think it would be a good book for you. Peter David's run on Ben Riley *Scar the Spider-Man*, Dan Slott's *Amazing Spider-Man*, uh, some Daredevil comics by Mark Wade and Charles Soule. Been enjoying the heck out of those. And along the same lines with Marvel, I've been re- uh, watching Jessica Jones and the Defenders. Did you watch the the those series on Netflix? Um,
1: I watched every Marvel show. I watched less of it than the one before it. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I I, I I enjoyed Daredevil. I enjoyed
0: Jessica Jones. I never got into Iron Fist or Luke Cage, but I tried Defenders on a whim. Loved the Defenders, cover to cover. Uh, right, I'm watching Punisher right now. Every day I watch an episode of Punisher. Really enjoying that. It's darking, but it's it's very very good. I I'm so bummed that they got rid of these Netflix shows. I hope they replace it uh, with something on the Disney app that's decent. But uh, I really they're really really good stuff. Uh, as far as DC goes, I you know Titans, the Titans, which was that really dark dark darky dark dark version of titans like i'm behind on a few episodes but i really did enjoy what i saw it wasn't the titan series i wanted uh, and certainly the first trailer looked terrible but every episode i watched i really enjoyed and like starfire and that thing i really like starfire and i hate that character very strange but um i am not finding my joy in the dc universe app um, the deal breaker for me, again, is the, the business plan with comics. We'll see how it unfolds over time and if they get my money or not. But right now, Marvel and Luna, it's my jam. Um, you know, I, I'll just jump forward and I'll do a quick Michael Bailey thing here. I'll get a little personal. Um, this past year, and I don't usually share this kind of stuff on the podcast, and I figure everyone stopped listening to me by now anyway, so no one's going to hear it. I, I had a health scare this year. I had a real hard time breathing through one of my nostrils all the way through 2017. In fact, if you go back and listen to the old podcast, you can tell I'm like gasping for breath a lot and they found out i had a very very large cyst in my face uh my entire sinus was full. It was the size of a golf ball in my face. And, uh, we had a long worry for a long time. We thought it might be cancer. They didn't know. It took a few months to figure that out. Thankfully it wasn't, but it kind of put me some perspective in my life. Uh, pretty major surgery. I mean, Rob knew about it. The guys in the network knew about it, but I didn't really tell many other people. Um, but uh, it kind of gave me some perspective on life and trying to find things that make me happy and think more about my family and stuff like that. Then a couple months after that, my mother had a heart attack. Uh, she survived, but it was a big one. And uh, I also noticed within myself, I'd gotten pretty out of weight, way- overweight. I was short of breath. Uh, I really didn't have a lot of endurance. So all of this kind of came together as like a wake up call. I got to turn my life around. It's about the same time you, Rob, uh, and Gene did the Geek Fitness Part 2 episode. Right. And I joined the Geek Fitness, Fire and Water Geek Fitness Group. And I started exercising. And I have now, over the span of a few months, I lost 25 pounds. That's amazing. Oh.
1: Congratulations. That's a huge I- amount of weight.
0: It is. It's a huge it's a, – you're right. It absolutely is. I, I can now look at myself and say, I'm skinny. Oh, my gosh. And I, I've been doing it for seven months now. I jog two miles five days a week on the treadmill. I'm in the best shape of my life. A lot of it has – I mean I, I'm the one who decided to do it, um, but the Fire and Water Geek Fitness Group really helped me stay encouraged. It's a wonderful group of people, very encouraging, a lot of fun. We have some geek talk in there too, and it's – um I don't know that it saved my life, but it changed my life, you know, altogether changing my health. And um, thank you to Rob. Thank you to Gene. Thank you to everyone in the group. And I, I,
1: I don't, I think I've added some years to my life and uh, I appreciate it. It's amazing what a little pot of positive motivation can do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I'm very, very happy with that. That's it. Congratulations. That's amazing. 25 pounds. Like that's a lot of weight. That really is. So, yes. And you're very dedicated because I see every day that you're adding to thing and, Talk about that you're treadmilling during lunch and whatever, and I'm really jealous because I can't do that. So it's really <laughs> cool. It's fantastic.
0: So, well, it's nothing like running on the street. I can't do that. That's my kryptonite. I cannot run on the street. I've tried it. I just I fall apart. So the treadmill. I'm like I'm like a domesticated house pet when it comes to jogging. I, I
1: can do the treadmill,
0: but I can't do the real hard stuff.
1: See, it's funny because I'm just the opposite. Treadmills drive me crazy because it's so boring. I, I even brought my running gear when we went to the convention last year, and like I mm-hmm. I did it one day. I'm like, this is so boring, and I gave it up. I didn't do it. And then I just decided to drink instead. So, uh, well, yeah, that's all an amazing list of stuff. I mean, uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit, Shag and I promised that this segment would be no longer than, like, 10 to 15 minutes because we wanted to make room for the other guys. And, of course, Shag's been talking nonstop for 20 minutes straight, so I'm going to get to my list very quickly. Uh, Yeah, I just have a couple things. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of great stuff this year, and there's been a lot of terrible stuff this year. Anybody who is familiar with my Facebook page knows what I'm talking about. I don't need to get into it here, but it's been – uh, I did, the, the toughest thing I ever do in my life happened a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was awful. Uh, but I am thankful for a great many things. And there's a lot of things that I did find joy. in. one is, um, the guests on all of my shows, I appreciate every single person. Who deigns to spend their time with me, either talking about Mash or Treasury Comics or Bob Dylan, because I don't think I'm a natural host. Um, every time Shag and I do a show together, I always ask him to do the leads in, lead in, and stuff like that, because I just think he's better at it than I am. And but I do my best, <laughs> whatever I do my best. And because you know I want to talk about Bob Dylan, I want to talk about Mash, and if, if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. So I really <laughs> appreciate everybody who comes on. And, and decides to, to spend some time with me talking about these things. I really do appreciate um, every single one of you. It's just been tremendous. And especially like on the Pod Dylan front, I have met so many new people uh, through my love of that music. And that's been just enormously rewarding. So that's been really cool. So thank you to everybody who has been a guest on Treasury Cast and MASHCast and Pod Dylan. That's been great. Uh, on, a, on a more minor front, um, Amazon Prime. Uh, hmm. I subscribe to Amazon Prime now. A couple uh, by the time you hear this, uh, of course, the uh, streaming site FilmStruck uh, has gone off the air. It closed down on November twenty ninth, and FilmStruck was basically the only streaming site available that showed movies older than like phantom menace, you know, like it was, it was the place for people that love older movies and that's getting harder and harder to find because of course Netflix was originally that. And now Netflix is so not that they have like three Mm -hmm. old, they have like three old movies and Hulu has like four. Uh, and so there's no home for this, but I discovered on Amazon prime, there are tons of great classic movies available and if you subscribe to amazon prime they're just ready for you to watch and i'm i'm sort of amazed that amazon prime especially with filmstruck going belly up doesn't promote this more and so uh a couple of you know every so often i would go and and, and just start searching around amazon the amazon prime app which admittedly is not that easy to use but if you True. do if you do a little searching there is some amazing stuff. So, I just have a very brief list of some of the things I found. And I've been adding things to our watch list so fast that I will never be able to get to all these movies. So <laughs> but just, just again, a quick list of some of the great things you can find on Amazon Prime. It's a mad, 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 mad world. What's up, Doc? Lenny, Fitzcarraldo, Victor Victoria, Star 80, Little Big Man, Barry Lyndon, Pads of Glory, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Performance, The Ballad of Cable Hogue, Night Moves, Santa Sangre, Clute, Cabaret, and Bullet. I mean, these yeah. are either classics that I've seen and loved or movies I haven't seen and gotten around to. And they're all on Amazon Prime. And there was um, – I had a couple of days off uh, in uh, December and November. And I, uh, I used Amazon – like I picked a couple of those ty- days. I did nothing. I purposely did nothing but just watch movies on Amazon Prime. Um, the day uh, after uh, – I took the day off from work uh, after we lost someone in our family, and I just decided I am going to just sit and watch movies and make myself laugh. And the day after uh, that awful day, I watched What's Up, Doc? The great screwball comedy starring Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand. And I laughed out loud. I genuinely laughed out loud, and so for someone who loves old movies like I do, Amazon Prime is you know are, is it the perfect thing? No, because there's still a lot that isn't on there, but there's a lot of really great stuff. So I'm finding my joy in Amazon Prime. There's just, just just tremendous stuff in there, and nobody really seems to know it, and they themselves don't seem to know it. So if you love old movies, you might want to give Amazon Prime a spin. And then the other big thing that I, I found found joy in this year and are related to three very specific people because I got to have experiences with them this year, all in 2018. Karen Allen, Woohoo! Mike Farrell, wow. and Richard Donner. What? What? Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll go in order. Karen Allen, I got to meet her at a MonsterCon in April and I went to the show just to see her. Um, I drove up two hours, went to the show. Saw her and left and drove two hours back home. (laughs) But I mean – and I I hoped that I wasn't – I I probably wasn't as coherent with her as I wanted to be. But nevertheless, it was a great experience. She was so sweet. I got a picture with her. I just absolutely love Karen Allen. Of course, mostly from Marion Ravenwood, who I think is one of the greatest characters ever in – in film uh but also animal house and Starman, and i mean she's she's scrooged i just love her to death i just she's such a tremendous actress and it was so rewarding to be able to like hold her hand and tell her how much her movies meant to me and and get that picture with her it was just it was just tremendous so that was like just i was so excited once in a lifetime experience to to meet her Uh, mike farrell i didn't get to meet him but i got sort of By proxy, meet him via my pal, Zaki Hassan, who uh, hosts the movie, film, podcast, and also does a show called Nostalgia Theater. And he had – I've had Zaki on MASHcast, and I've had him on uh, Film and Water. But he also does this Nostalgia Theater show. And for the anniversary of MASH going off the air, he had Mike Farrell on the show because Zaki is a film critic. He's a professional film critic. So he has all these great connections. And so he had Mike Farrell on. And at one point during the show, he – mentions to Mike me and says something about like my theory about like what I took away from the relationship between Hawkeye and BJ. Of course, Mike Farrell played BJ on MASH from seasons four through 11. And I got to hear Mike Farrell in referring to me say, he's right. He's exactly right. Wow. And I was just like that. I started to literally tear up when I heard that because I worshiped uh, those characters on MASH and BJ Honeycutt is my favorite character on MASH. And just the fact that the actor who I revere so much would a know I exist and <laughs> say something about me like that, like that he appreciated my interpretation of his show. That just meant the world to me. So I have big thanks to Zaki Hassan for, for going out and, and mentioning it to me it just meant the world to me that Mike Farrell knows who I am. And uh, that just unbelievable.
0: Uh, that is so cool. Th- 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 I, I, I... Well, I want to give you and Zachy props real quick. Uh the MASH episode you guys did about the series or maybe it was the movie, either either way, it was we when you we were. Both. We did a
1: show on the movie and then a show on the show.
0: Okay, then it was the show about the show. Um and you you guys just you recreated a a, a discussion or a, a scene from one of the episodes that was so part was it was the Henry Blake, his final episode. Ah yes. And you guys sort of described the scene so well, it brought back a memory I had completely forgotten about. I had forgotten about that episode. It was out of my mind. And hearing you guys describe it, I had to stop the podcast. I sat down and cried for about five minutes. Like, just sobs. Big, giant, fat, wet man tears rolling down my face. Just remembering that episode and the power. And your discussion just kind of framed it and reminded me how much I love that character. And it was really powerful. And it's down to you guys bringing that memory back. And um, it's just that kind of stuff doesn't happen. With, I don't make that kind of connection with podcasts usually. So, great job by you guys.
1: Well, thank. You. Yeah, it was great talking to, to Zachy about that, and it was it was funny. I mean, not to get too far off the field, but all that came about. Totally, because his co-host on a movie film podcast, Brian Hall, just mentioned offhandedly that he watched the MASH movie and he had never Mm -hmm. seen it before. And I then wrote into them because I know them both. And they both been on Film and Water. And I wrote into them and said, hey, guys, if you ever want to do a show on the MASH movie, come on Film and Water and do it. And we did it together, the three of us. And then that inspired the MASH TV show episode with me and Zachy. And then that led directly into the MASH cast. So it's Mm -hmm. all because of Brian's errant comment about watching the movie. (laughs) So again, that was that was huge, and then uh, finally Richard Donner. I mean, we don't. I mean, Chris and I have made everybody sick to death of our jokes that we're good friends with Richard Donner. But I don't care. Um, It is one of (laughs) one of the great experiences of my life. And man, I mean. Just trying to like nail this down was so difficult because, uh, as his assistant explained, Richard has a lot of, uh, or he calls him Dick, as I call him, Dick uh, has a he does he does a ton of interviews, a lot of meetings, and things like that. And he was just sort of like we ended up having to reschedule that I think four times, um, and each time I had to leave early from work uh, because of my distance of my commute, and then the fact that like he Donner was available at three o'clock. California time, which is six o'clock my time, so we had to do all this coordination. And every time he had to cancel, and I, had to, I had actually finally had to be up front with my boss and say, "Look, I normally don't leave early from work or ask them, but I have the chance to interview one of my heroes. I have to get out. You know, I mean, I can't do this." And so, luckily, they were cool about. It. They were like, "Okay, no, it's fine." But anyway, we finally got to do it, and me and Chris got to talk to, to Richard Donner, and he could not have been nicer. It was just such an amazing experience course, you can hear it on the episode of Superman Movie Minute that we did, which is the interview with, with Dick talking about his movie uh, Inside Moves, which was the movie he did after Superman. But the reason I'm mentioning these three experiences and that I found my joy in them is that I have been fortunate enough to have enough experiences with quote-unquote celebrities uh, that – you know i've had some negative experiences i'm not going to get into those but i've had them and at a certain point i had one actually a couple of years ago that was so negative that i was like okay i don't need to do this ever again i don't need to meet someone just because they're sort of famous cuz it just it it doesn't mean anything. but when Damn it's... it, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that was disappointing me and Ron, I have to say. Um, he charged me for his autograph. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but the reason these were important to me is because, of course, obviously I grew up on Raiders of the Lost Ark. I grew up on MASH. I grew up on Superman the movie. But the, uh, getting the opportunity to tell these people how much their work meant to me, that's what I want. That's. I just want that moment. I had that moment. I've mentioned on the on other podcasts with Loretta Swit from Mash, just to be able to say this thing you did informs who I am as a person, and I know. And Shag, you and I have talked about this. We have gotten mail from people saying. That there are – one of our shows helped them get through something difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's been amazing. Like you and I, you know, a lot of times we read them pri- – those are private. They're not meant to be read on right. the air. And they're amazing. They're just – they make me feel so good that some goofy thing that we do could make someone get through a hard time. And I I can only imagine if you're Richard Donner or you're Karen Allen or you're Mike Farrell, you hear that uh, times 110 billion. You know, how many times have somebody probably come up to – Karen Allen would be like, a the Lost Ark? It got me through this or whatever. So – but nevertheless, like the fact that you and I even get to experience like a micron of that is amazing to me. And so the fact that I got to have these experiences with these people, these huge figures from my childhood, and I got to tell them this thing you did or these things you do meant the world to me and they made me the person that I am, that was just That was finding my joy, and that has been the best experiences of the year of of getting to talk to these people. And some of the comic book people that we experience with, you know, we get to talk to Jerry Conway and J.M. DeMatteis. All that stuff, it just means the world to me. So that has been my big joy of, of getting to talk to these amazing people.
0: That is absolutely awesome! What a great way to look back at the year and celebrate that, Rob. And I'm so glad you had those experiences. And I'm really surprised you didn't call him Dick Donner more often in that conversation just now.
1: Um, we do privately when I when I call him.
0: I call him every oh right night. right yeah, yeah yeah late night sexting all that kind of stuff. I'm sure
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Dick, I like to call. Him. I you know I ask for his opinion and stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's I said it's we're, we're I mean Chris and I open every episode of Superman movie minute now with Richard Donner doing the promo for our show now. And, uh, Which you know. is so awesome. So, yeah, it's it's been great, and I hope to have. I'm not. There is no way I'm going to have this level of experience in 2019. There just isn't. I mean, how am I, <laughs> I going to top Raiders, Mash, and Superman? But uh, I, I, I look to try.
0: Well, I can't wait uh, when you wake up next to Jason Momoa. That'll be your moment. That'll be your Yeah!
1: <laughs>
0: Going deep! So, uh, on that sort of uncomfortable note, why don't we pass it off to some of the other members of the Firewater Podcast Network so you can hear how they found their joy in 2018?
2: The world's greatest superheroes The Green Arrow, crime fighter from the forest, The Falcon great black superhero the
3: torch faster than the speed of light mr fantastic and the invisible girl both have the powers of invisibility
4: hey it's chris franklin here from supermates jlu cast superman movie minute Nightcast, and where does he get those wonderful toys on FW Presents? And this segment's gonna tie into Wonderful Toys more than any of my other shows that I do. I haven't done a Wonderful Toys in a while, I've been too busy. Supermates and House of Frankenstein took up a lot of my time. And around the time that we were working on that, Mego came back to toy shelves. Yes. The beloved Mego Corporation, uh, all of us uh, in the around 40-year-old and a little bit older age group remember Mego well. They made the action figures of just about every property in the 70s. Uh, of course, the world's greatest superheroes, DC and Marvel, uh, Star Trek, Planet of the Apes, uh, Happy Days, Dukes of Hazzard. I mean, you name it, they made figures of it. Um, Mego went out of business in the early 80s. They went bankrupt. And uh, famously, they they didn't get the Star Wars license. That's not really what put Mego out of business. Um, one of the things that did hurt them was they were trying to chase a Star Wars-like property and invested in a lot of lines that didn't quite go over as well as they had hoped, like Star Trek The Motion Picture and lines like that, although Buck Rogers did really well for them. But other things, actually, is what uh, other other... Other things going on is what put Mego out of business, but long story short, Mego, the company, and uh, its president of its heyday, Marty Abrams, uh, came back uh, with the help of uh, Paul Clark, who uh, rose through the fan community of Mego collectors uh, and basically helped create the custom market for Mego by uh, producing uh, plastic reproduction items for Mego figures, Paul had been working with Diamond for years uh, in a company called MC, which is like Mego Corp, but they spelled it out E-M-C-E, and they had reproduced some Mego lines. Uh, he had worked with Mattel to uh, do a new Mego-type DC line a few years back. It was at Toys R Us. Uh, but Paul Clark, Dr. Mego, and uh, Marty Abrams got together and uh, helped form a new Mego Corporation. Uh, they worked with uh, Target, uh, the Target retail chain, and uh, starting in, I think it was August, Migos were in Target stores, which is just amazing. Uh, they revived some of the licenses they had in the past: Star Trek, DC superheroes, Happy Days. Uh, they brought in some new licenses, uh, like Cheers, which of course ties into Cheers Cast, which Ryan does here on the network. Uh, they had, uh, you know, uh, more contemporary shows. Uh, well, since Migos been gone, they're contemporary. Uh, like Married with Children, but they also went back and did properties that Mego didn't do from their heyday, like Charlie's Angels and Facts of Life and and shows like that. Um, It was nice to see the Migos on the shelf, the initial offerings. Uh, The DC license, they were not able to do 8-inch figures or 12-inch figures due to other licensors having those uh, scales locked down for DC characters, so they came up with a 14-inch body. Uh, And their initial uh, output uh, was uh, Batman, General Zod, which is basically a sized-up reproduction of their 12-inch General Zod from the Superman movie line, Harley Quinn, and Wonder Woman. Now, when I first saw those, I thought it was neat that they were made, but they had addressed... uh, Doc Mego had come out and said there's an issue with the neck and the body on these. We basically, the production... uh, that happened so quickly ended up with, there was like basically the Batman figure had two necks. He had a neck on his head and a neck stem on the body. So Batman had a really long neck. So I, I passed on the first wave of the, the 14 inch figures and I, I regret it now, honestly, <laughs> I'm still hoping to find those. But, uh, but I did pick up one figure uh, from the, the initial eight inch run, which was officially licensed Bell Lugosi Dracula. And that was licensed by the Lugosi estate, not universal. So this represented uh, Bela Lugosi as Dracula from his stage performances, even though he looks a bit older and more like Dracula from, like, say, Evan and Costello meet Frankenstein, actually. But This is a great Bela Lugosi sculpt. Uh, these figures are retailing for $15 a piece the 8-inch or under. They've been on sale several times. The quality for 15 bucks is just kind of nuts. Uh, the Dracula figure was, like, the hardest one to find from Wave 1, but I did manage to find one on the pegs. Uh, very, very happy with this figure He is a super cool uh, Dracula figure A super cool Bela Lugosi figure Was really, really happy with him uh, Wave 2 hit And man, they they took the feedback they got And they moved forward Especially with the DC 14-inch line They put out a series of Superman, Batgirl, Green Lantern, and Poison Ivy And all these look fantastic uh, most of the sculpting on these was done by a guy on the Mego Museum board. Uh, he goes by Crimson Ghost there. Super talented sculptor. He captured a lot of nuance and a lot of character in these sculpts. Uh, these run for about 20 bucks a piece. I mean, for $20, this giant 14-inch figure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a Hot Toys level of detail, but you're also not playing $220, you know. So, yes, you're. it's a $20 figure, and there are, you know... You can't hold it to that standard, that hot toy standard. But for 20 bucks, man, you get a whole lot of fun in the figure. And it does have that old toy Migo aesthetic to it. And it's just a lot of fun. It's a great representation of the classic Bronze Age version of the characters. Uh, Superman looks like he stepped out. He, he's a little bit of Christopher Reeve going on in, him, in his face. Uh, a little bit of superpowers, a little Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, in there. Green is the same, Batgirl's got the black bodysuit, um, and Poison Ivy, you know, she's got the classic costume, not just flower pasties, or she's not colored green, she's got flesh colored skin. The only weird thing about the 12-inch figures, and this must be some kind of licensing weirdness going on, is that the artwork used on the package is the New 52 designs, which does not match the figures at all. So if you just saw those on the shelf, saw the New 52 Superman design, which of course is like two designs back now and thought, oh, look at the figure closer, that's a classic Superman you got right there, so don't worry about the box, just buy the figure. I've really really enjoyed these figures, these are really super sharp Uh, Brian Heiler of the Mego Museum and Plaid Stallions has said these are kind of the, going to be the crown jewel in this new Mego, and I think he's right I think these are the figures that the collectors are going to be after in years to come The, the production numbers on these are pretty low too, so There's not going to be that many out there, I don't think, uh, floating around. Uh, They have come out with another wave, a corrected Batman. Uh, The previous Batman was in black and gray. This is in the classic Bronze Age blue and gray. Uh, Also uh, sculpted by Crimson Ghost. They fixed the neck issue. It's a great-looking Batman. I desperately want him. They also made the Flash. It's a classic-looking Barry Allen Flash. Uh, Lex Luthor uh, has the same head sculpt or similar head sculpt to the uh, very Gene Hackman-looking Lex from Superman the movie 12-inch wave but uh, that Mego produced in the 70s. But he has the, uh, just like that figure, he's got the 70s Challenge of the Super Friends era Lex uh, purple and green jumpsuit. So that's always a plus. Uh, and they also made the Joker. Now, the weird thing with the Joker is he doesn't come with a jacket. Now, that's kind of strange. But apparently they couldn't get the Joker out uh, for that price point with the jacket, but you can go to doc Migo's website and order the jacket, or you will be able to soon. He had a limited number up and now they're gone already, but I haven't got any of those figures yet. Um, that's the only other issue is ever since like wave two, part of wave two and now wave three, they're getting harder and harder to find at target. It seems like target has maybe kind of lost interest in stocking these like they did before. They don't have an end cap. They're not being pushed as they were before. And there's a bit of frustration on the Mego community's part of finding these figures. They go up on Target's website for like a couple minutes at a time and then they're gone. The quantities are really small when they put them up. It's led to a lot of people to get really frustrated with finding this line. And honestly, I haven't had time to go stalk Target uh, and and find them either. So I'm kind of hoping I'll get some for Christmas maybe. And if I don't, I'll spend what, you know, if I get any Christmas money, I'll spend it on I'm picking up what I haven't got. Another figure I got, thanks to a fellow Mego Museum member, was uh, the Frankenstein figure. This is an 8-inch figure. Uh, it's an unlicensed Frankenstein, but he looks a lot like a Universal Frankenstein because they took the Frankenstein figure that MC had done uh, a few years back, took the neck bolts off, and gave him a new paint treatment, basically, in different boots and essentially put him out there. But it's a fun Frankenstein figure. He, got, he has a very generic Halloween-y feel about him. And so I think that's really cool uh, I picked up another figure I picked up was uh, The Star Trek line They did a Mirror Mirror 2 pack with Kirk and Spock And then they turned around and did A Mirror Mirror 2 pack with uh, Evil Sulu and Uhura And uh, I'm tempted by those But I've got my original Star Trek figures And I got the Sulu that MC put out years ago Because Mego famously didn't make a Sulu um, And they have put out other Star Trek figures uh, The new Mego Corporation has but the new uh, Gorn they put out is based on the one that they did, that MC did, but they've updated the color, and uh, it looks more screen accurate. It's uh, more of a olive uh, green uh, versus MC's bright green, and it's a huge improvement over <laughs> Rob's beloved but very inaccurate uh, Mego 70s Gorn that was essentially a brown lizard head slapped onto a Klingon body. I, I know there's a lot of love for that figure, and I like it too, but... Uh, This looks like the Gorn straight from uh, Arena, the great episode of Star Trek. So I was really happy to get that. Uh, Another one I'm really looking forward to get in Wave 3 is Face of the Screaming Werewolf. We had heard rumors that uh, New Mego was going to be making a Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman. And uh, that's always a plus. Wolfman's my favorite Universal monster. I'm a big fan of Lon Chaney Jr. And I was really surprised to find the Wolfman figure they made is not... Based on Larry Talbot, the Universal character, this is from a low-budget movie called Face of the Screaming Werewolf that was basically, they actually took two different movies that uh, this low-budget production company made in the late 50s, early 60s, stitched them together and put it out as a movie called Face of the Screaming Werewolf. But it is a Lon Chaney Jr. werewolf. Uh, it's a real unique looking figure it, it it looks similar to the Wolfman But not dead on So it gives you another cool werewolf figure uh, And I'm really looking forward to finding that one I haven't had any luck finding it yet um, So yeah, there's more Migo stuff coming uh, I was just, I mean Talking about finding your joy I mean, I got a whole display case Full of Migos in my dining room I'm staring at them right now as I record this um, and so anytime, you know, I've, I've picked up other other companies have made Mego-like figures. Uh, some of them, you know, MC has reproduced some of the Marvel figures and, and added uh, new elements to them and things. But to have a, a actual Mego corporation run by some of the same people back out there, I never thought we'd see it. It's really great to see them. Apparently they're going to expand into other retail. Their target exclusive contract ends uh, in 2019. So hopefully we'll be seeing Migos everywhere from Migo Corporation. Uh, And uh, they're doing a lot of fun stuff. Uh, There's some stuff I'm not that interested in, some of the sitcom licenses and things, but a lot of people are, and that's great. There's a lot of variety just like Migo in the 70s. It truly is like Migo has come back. And uh, that just makes me really, really happy. And uh, so that's how I found my joy. That's one way I found my joy. Of course, another way I found my joy is doing podcasts with these guys and putting them out there for everybody that listens. So thank you all for listening and thanks to all my buddies for being there and giving me a fun outlet and a place to house my crazy ramblings about toys and comics and movies and things. And hope you all have a great 2019 and we'll see you there. Bye.
3: You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch.
2: You really are. As cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Gray. You're a bad banana
5: with a greasy black peel. Hello there, it's Nathaniel, best known here on the network for my co hosting position on Tough Like a Girl and for being a very grumpy bugger on other people's podcasts every now and again. Um, so it is just me you're going to be listening to. Um, I wanted to, to get Liz on here as well, my partner and co-host, but we just we couldn't get the schedules worked out. So apologies there. So, well, as far as uh, what's relevant here to the network itself, tough like a girl, two years going. Well, sort of if we include the years where it was called Punch Like a Girl. But again, I don't want to rehash that because that was dumb. Um, also, I launched a new podcast, not on this network, but it's on the Council of Geeks podcast feed called See You Space Cowboy, where I go through and revisit Cowboy Bebop one episode at a time and give my thoughts on it on a rewatch, having not seen these episodes for about 15 years. And... uh that I was glad to come up with so that I was actually doing something with that podcast feed because it kind of started to, well, just not have a lot going on after I kind of had to pack in 90s Comics Retrial when, uh, when Executioner Song broke me. Yeah, Bob, positive, positive, positive. I can do it, I swear. Uh, over on YouTube, the Council of Geeks YouTube channel crossed 30,000 subscribers this year. I started the year with 10,000, so I tripled that. Movies I've seen, so good ones, there were um, some that I had been very much looking forward to, which did not let me down, Uh, some that I felt an obligation to see, that surprised me, and then one kind of, really thought that would suck, turned out pretty good, so on the... Met expectations, but those expectations were really high, so that's a bigger deal than you'd think. We have both Infinity War and Black Panther. Now, both of these movies, I think, did what they set out to do phenomenally well, and I enjoy them both immensely. I think I like Infinity War a little bit better, but Black Panther is great. On the felt obligated to watch but did not expect them to be any good front, um... DC animated movies got good again. Like, really good. Not just like, oh, this is better than it usually has been in the past five years. Like, no, legitimately good. The Death of Superman movie was really good. The Constantine City of Demons movie was really good. And a movie that I actually put off watching for a long time, because I was pretty certain I was going to hate it, was Ready Player One. This is a young adult dystopia story aimed at nerds in their 30s and 40s. And once I realized what the thing was, I was like, oh, this is actually a really good version of that. So, yeah, cool. Um, None of those were the best movie I saw this year, though. Best movie I saw this year was Annihilation, which was an incredible piece of work. Atmospheric movie, creepy, unsettling. Incredibly, you know, methodical in its execution, gorgeous to look at, but in a twisted, kind of horrifying way, um, you know, so much going on, on on philosophical and existential levels. I, it's not, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. So even though I think it was the best movie from the year, don't consider that a ringing endorsement to go out and watch it immediately because this is heady, weird unsettling, you really gotta be paying attention, sci-fi. TV related, um, She-Ra, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I loved the characters, I liked the art style, I loved the flow of it, I loved the dynamics and the relationships. I had a great time with that show. There was the second season of Westworld, which apparently was fairly divisive amongst fans, which I didn't even realize because I was watching it with Liz, and we both really liked it. Like, more than the first season. So when we found out, like, oh no, opinions really split on this, we were like, really? Oh, okay. I thought it was great. Also, I'll lump this in with TV. I saw um, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette, uh, her comedy special, was... One of the most powerful viewing experiences I had this year, and if you are into stand-up comedies um, and those specials, I would encourage you to check it out. It is, it's, it is funny. Uh, it's also harsh and kind of uncomfortable. But it's really kind of supposed to be. Because what it makes you feel uncomfortable about is stuff we, eh, you really kind of should feel uncomfortable about. Um, I do think ultimately my TV highlight is going to be Discovering the Good Place. It's on its third season right now. It just had its last episode of the year. But I binged through it the first two episodes, first two seasons this year. I'd never watched it before. Holy crap, it's great. It's like one of my new favorite things. Um, coming away from entertainment, back to personal stuff, um, debuted a number of new sort of cosplay sorts of things this year. Um, I, I've now got a Fix-It Felix outfit. Um, I've got a, finally a, a like a complete Renaissance fair sort of look. Um, it's, I'm. I was going to say it's a bit of a hooded archer kind of look. I don't actually carry a bow when I do it, but it's like, it's at least it's a complete look for once. That's nice. Um, I went out on Halloween as the 13th Doctor, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, uh, Black Canary I got to do, uh, and also sort of doing my own um, sort of, I, mean, I don't like the whole thing, like original character, do not steal, but like my own sort of Sith Lord thing with uh, with debuting Darth Snow. And uh, then just random stuff that is in the vicinity of geeky that made me happy this year. I finally got around to repainting my Nerf Maverick, so it's finally in the steampunky-looking colors I've wanted it to be in for the, my God, six years that I've had the dang thing. And even though this isn't really geek-related, I'm too proud not to mention this. I published a book. Um, about my gender fluidity called Skirting Gender. And you can buy it on Amazon. And your local library and or bookstore can acquire it through Ingram. It's out. It's available. It's being purchased. It's getting reviewed. I'm insanely proud and happy with the end results of that. So, yeah, this has been a really incredible year and my daughter's amazing her mother's amazing my partner's amazing my friends are incredible i get to do so much that i love i almost feel like i'm getting away with something and part of me's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop but right now this this has been a really great year so that's me Finding my joy, it can happen, believe it or not, even for a grumpy old bastard like me.
4: Hi Zoom, so glad that your podcast is going so well, and I hope you have a fantastic Christmas and a brilliant
6: 2019. Lots of love, Samantha Fox.
3: Greetings, I am Zoom Yukonori, podcast host and founder of Professor Zoom Productions which creates the Dun & One Wonders podcast Wonder Show, a comic book review and critique show specifically focused on Dun & One comic book stories, and more recently, for FW Presents, the Zoom for Sam podcast, which explores my favorite songs by UK and Euro pop star Samantha Fox. And that brings me to my greatest geek fandom-related joy of the year 2018. Podcasting. Podcasting, for me, is my greatest creative outlet this year. It is no secret that I used to draw backgrounds for Hong Kong manhua comics back in the 1980s, and I still do a bit of doodling for the Line It Is Drawn feature on comic book resources. But since I became a hemiplegic a few years ago, it has been less comfortable for me to be drawing for extended lengths of time. So, naturally, I had been drawing less and less. I needed another creative outlet, and podcasting had become that new outlet. And oh, do I get to play. I not only get to talk about my favorite DC comic book stories from the Bronze Age, but I also get to involve some of my favorite obscure DC Comics-related characters to be my co-hosts, if you will. There is Terra-Man. Howdy, I'm the Terra-Man. The rudeness-tudeness co-host west of the Andromeda galaxy. Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy need lozenge. Bizarro. Goodbye, me and Bizarro. Me not rather have unsexy time with Bizarro Lois number one. Uh, sure. And Lanos, the alternate AI navigational computer from Green Lantern, the animated series. (whistles) Greetings and salutations. I am Lainos, the insert five-word phrase which forms the acronym Lamo. They had become affectionately known as the Zoom Crew on the Done and One Wonders podcast wonder show. Now I had done some character voices for radio spots and radio station programs while I was living in Southeast Asia in the mid 1990s, and I must say that was a blast. So being able to do that again with the Zoom crew is especially fun for me. And getting into the characters' heads to write their script and comic book commentary allows me to stretch myself creatively. Another fun aspect of involving the Zoom crew characters involves the joy of FX, as it were. In my day-to-day work, I am a marketing director for a promotional production company. And one of my colleagues there, Adrian Zett, who works in AV production, had taught me a lot about the program Audacity and how to adjust certain pitch levels to just the right amount so I can create a more distinct voice for each character, as well as create layers so all of my voiced characters can talk over each other, as well as develop certain effects. For example, let me take you behind the scenes here and create the Leno's vocal effect for you in real time. First, I record his lines in a deep, drony, yet slightly boisterous voice. <clears throat> <clears throat> Greetings and salutations. I am Lenos, the insert five-word phrase which forms the acronym LAMO. Now I have to make sure to select and silence any breaths that I may have drawn before any words in that recording, because Lenos is a machine and he is not supposed to breathe. Solomon Grundy don't breathe nothin' either. Indeed, Mr. Grundy, because you are essentially a zombie. And Bizarro does not breathe either, being an artificial life form, so I have to silence all of the breaths from your recorded lines as well. To say nothing to all them ums and ahs that we all make during that their recording. There. And now I copy that edited recording onto a second layer in Audacity and then I drop the pitch of the copied track by five points. Greetings and salutations. I am Lainos. The insert five-word phrase which forms the acronym LAMO. Then I make that deeper vocal the main layer, and have my original voice recording be the under layer. I do this by dropping the gain of the original track by six points, so the deeper-pitched vocal track will be more prominent and then I shove the quieter track just a sliver of time forward to create a slight echo. Greetings and salutations. I am Lenos. the insert five-word phrase which forms the acronym LAMO. And now, to add a more mechanical hint to the sound, I copy my original recording again on a separate track, and this time I increase the pitch of that copy by 17 points. Greetings and salutations. I am Lanos, the insert five-word phrase which forms the acronym LAMO. Then I make that high-pitched vocal part of the echo, which means I, again, drop the gain by six points and shove it forward ever so slightly so that it lines up with that original recorded track. Greetings and salutations. I am LENOS, the insert five-word phrase which forms the acronym LAMO. And that is all there is to it. And now I can take that finished audio and drop it about a minute and a half earlier in this recording. And you did not even need to utilize our interspatial time conveyor. No, I did not. To make things easier, I usually record all of Lenos's lines for an entire segment at one go. So once I clean up the audio, I can do all of the pitch and echo effects to all of the Lenos lines at once. I then export the finished Lenos lines as a single-track FLAC audio file, and use that to cut up and edit into the rest of the dialogue. Oh, and the sound effects. I had purchased the Hanna-Barbera and BBC and Warner Brothers soundtrack collections, as well as certain music tracks, and I have a ball cutting them up and layering all of those in. Like when I need Bizarro to do a flyby across the studio. Watch out, you square-brained (laughs) varmint! Oh, dear. I trust you gentlemen will clean up that mess. At any rate, I essentially get to be an audio artist putting together a podcast mosaic with every episode. And I use my Wacom drawing tablet to do all of this, so I can select and edit audio much faster and easier than using a mouse. Yes, I realized that I had been doing this podcast production in the year 2017 as well. So what makes the year 2018 any more special? Well, this year I had involved other people in the Wonder Show comic book character concept. For example, in the recent F.W. Summer Sampler Super Spectacular, there was a nearly ten-minute segment in which my show's Solomon Grundy had met Chris Franklin's Solomon Grundy, And alternate realities of hilarity ensued. Why, you, I, order. I had also voiced the character of Elron, the robot from the Justice League International comics who shared some segments with Shag Matthews, voicing Lord Manga Khan. My lord,
2: do you not want to
3: say a few words?
2: Of course, Elrond. But first, I want to be sure you fully capture this impressive pose I'm striking.
3: My lord, this is an audio medium. So? (sighs) My apologies, sir. I must admit I was not able to capture your impressive pose fully the last time. It was... just so impressive. Of course it was. Please allow me a few nanos. Okie doke. Please strike the impressive pose again, sir. Perfect. Most impressive, sir. Also, Episode 7 of Done in One Wonders featured a round of guest villain cameos from other comic book and pop culture podcast hosts. These villains included the Bottler, the Animal Vegetable Mineral Man, and the Polka-Dot Man, voiced by Mike Staley.
2: I am Polka-Dot Man. Yes, everyone fears my thoughts. They're hypnotic. They're beautiful. They're... Sorry,
1: got distracted.
3: The Clue Master, voiced by Aaron Moss.
1: I am the great and mighty Clue Master. Shut up, Stephanie. I am the Clue Master. I am one of Batman's greatest villains.
3: The Cavalier and the Javelin, voiced by Clinton Robison.
5: Mine unerring accuracy, Mr. Javelin, is unrivaled.
3: And Darkseid, voiced by Shag Matthews. I intend to participate in your podcast show of wonders. And then, in Episode eight, the show was graced by the presence of the Bronze Age Batgirl, brought to life by Stella from Batgirl to Oracle, with just the right hint of Yvonne Craig in Barbara Gordon's voice.
4: Uh, Oh, no. Hector wasn't pulling that ghetto at me twice in the same day.
3: A number of the villain cameos were improvised, but even in the cases where the guest voices and I would collaborate and script out the segments beforehand, I was always very pleasantly surprised by the audio tracks I had received from these other people. It was such a thrill to see them get into the concept of playing fictional characters and how much zeal that came through in their delivery. And that leads me to yet another joy I had discovered from my podcasting endeavors, which is all of the unconditional support from the Fire & Water podcast and other podcast hosts. It is a true community. And there are no egos, Shag Matthews notwithstanding. Nor is there any competition. Everybody is supporting each other's podcasts, and again, there are all of these opportunities to collaborate. I look forward to more collaborations in the year ahead. And to better illustrate how supportive this community can be, listeners may recall there was a meet-and-greet of podcasters at the 2017 Heroes Con last year organized by a number of the Fire and Water Network founders. I was originally planning to attend and looked forward to meeting other podcasters face-to-face, but I fell out of my wheelchair and landed on a small teak opium table and dislocated my shoulder, so I could not go. But the other podcasters who were there, in particular Darren and Ruth Sutherland, offered to acquire prints and sketches and signatures and books on my behalf. I reimbursed all monetary expenses, of course, but because they were so willing to stand in long lines and deal with handling and shipping oversized items for someone that they had not even met, well, it helps restore one's faith in humanity, don't you know? In fact, with harsh and vile commentary and behavior seeming to dominate much of my Facebook and Twitter feeds these days... Being able to connect with my fellow podcasters is one of the main reasons I do not leave electronic social media entirely. Little Professor Man forgot to mention Foxy Lady guest star. Indeed. Another 2018 joy of podcasting involved kicking off my new Zoom for Sam podcast, in which I share my joy of my favorite tracks from Samantha Fox discography. I had been pondering to do this podcast for a number of months. Until I had received a blessing from Ms. Fox herself.
4: Hi Zoom! I think it's a great idea, this Zoom for Sam podcast. I'm very flattered, and anybody who plays my music and who supports me, yes, I'm very flattered and very honored.
3: So, yes, I am enjoying working on that second podcast as well. And while the sound editing is not as extensive as Done in One Wonders, I am still creating an audio mosaic with layering music tracks and instrumentals and audio commentary from Ms. Fox. My thanks to the Fire and Water Podcast Network for allowing me to add this new show to their programming. So is all this an expression of the professor's greatest geeky joy of the year or a backhanded promotion of his podcast shows? You be the judge. Indeed. But in all seriousness... A belated happy Christmas, joyous Kwanzaa, and happy Hanukkah to all of our listeners. Thank you all for your support. And we at Professor Zoom Productions wish you a new year filled with ample opportunity to do that what brings you joy in your life, and to do it often.
5: Let's get this party started!
3: All right, everybody. In a
5: few minutes, I'll be reading twas the... What's that ghoul doing here?
6: I know, right? I didn't think Batman was coming either.
2: Hello, everybody. I'm Max Romero, the host of Plasticast and the Mirror Factory, which can be found here on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. With the way things have been going out in the world lately, it'd be easy to feel as if everything is gloom-filled skies and bottomless pits. But I truly believe that remembering to give ourselves a break and have a little fun is important both to our overall culture and our personal well-being. Luckily, 2018 has been a really good year for pop culture, and I've found plenty that's given me that shot of joy. Let's start with TV. This might seem like an unexpected choice, but have you guys been watching Claws? Oh man, do I love this show. Claws airs on TNT and will be returning for its third season in 2019. My wife and I would see the promos for the show and thought, well, that looks crazy. Even then, we didn't start watching until just before the second season started, but are we glad we did. Summarizing this show can't do justice to the insanity, humanity, and constant tension that propels every episode, but I'll try. Desna Sims, played by a smoldering Niecy Nash, is an intelligent, ambitious, and ferociously determined owner of a nail salon in Palmetto, Florida. Backed up by her friends and fellow nail stylists, Desna is also tangled up with Uncle Daddy, a pill-pushing capo in the Dixie Mafia. Throw in Uncle Daddy's two nephews one of whom is married to Desna's best friend, the cheerfully brittle Jennifer, played by Jen Lyon, and the Russian mob, and viewers are treated to a combination as combustible and goofy as a Molotov cocktail served up in a Cuvassier bottle. Along the way, there are brutal murders, a kidnapping, a fake kidnapping, giant shrimp, two engagements, one marriage, undercover cops, a Jewish line dancing club, and, of course, a nail competition. It sounds like a lot, and it is, but somehow it all works. Clause is packed, but it's lean and coiled to strike. A panther tattoo on an arm slathered in sunblock. What makes it work is the incredible acting on display. From Nash's lead role as Desna to every single other actor. I seriously can't pick a favorite or say, here's the breakout performance, because everyone is turning in a breakout performance. Dean Norris as Uncle Daddy, who many remember from Breaking Bad, is that turns an unrepentant scene chewer and is also nearly Shakespearean in his commitment and pathos. Polly, as played by Carrie Preston, is a marvel, and watching her character unfold is at once beautiful and heartbreaking. Rounding out the salon crew, Karuichik Tran, as Virginia, is adorably infuriating, and it's impossible not to root for her, while Judy Reyes, as Quiet Anne, should just be given an Emmy already for her ability to balance menace and vulnerability. Dean, Roller, Bryce, Dr. Ken, Ruval, all of these characters have important parts to play, and all get their chance to shine. But really, the series is about the ladies of the Nails Artisan Salon. Smart, determined, fearless, yearning for better lives and willing to do what it takes to get there. These women are, above all, human. And that comes through clearly in what, at first glance, looks like just an over-the-top crime soap. Look again, because Claus is worth seeking out.
3: Did
2: you enjoy living in this beautiful house, Roland? (laughs) Sure, he did, huh?
3: Still
1: enjoying this bitch. <laughs> you
4: know what else I enjoy?
3: What's that, baby? Hey,
4: you wanna finish me off, girl?
2: remember how I said 2018 has been a good year for pop culture? That's been especially true for television, and there are so many shows that I've been wanting to watch but just haven't been able to get to yet. But here are some ongoing series I've managed to follow that I've really enjoyed, including The Haunting of Hill House, The Chai, The Terror, and The Alienist. Hmm. You know, for the most part, it seems like I've been gravitating to limited series more than serial TV. One ongoing show that's given me a lot of joy is Black Lightning, which, in my opinion, is the best of the CW stable of superhero shows. It's so great to see this character get this kind of showcase, and in a gritty but not grim way that uses a fantasy world to reflect what is, for a lot of people, a day-to-day reality. It's good stuff, and Cress Williams kills it as Black Lightning, and, just as importantly, the community-minded high school principal Jefferson Pierce. Toss in plenty of action and Marvin Crondin Jones as the scarily brutal Tobias Whale, and you've got a winner. Moving on to movies, there was a lot to like this past year. Of course, there were all the Marvel movies, Black Panther, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Infinity War, which I enjoyed to varying degrees. Black Panther, in particular, pulled off the trick of being important and entertaining. Creed too, was a worthy addition to the Rocky franchise, with Michael B. Jordan making it more and more his own, and Mission Impossible Fallout continued to make the M.I. movies one of my favorite guilty pleasures. Crazy Rich Asians was dumb fun in that popcorn-on-your-couch-on-a-Sunday kind of way. But the movie that stuck with me most was this year's remake of Suspiria. Somehow bleak and lush at the same time, Suspiria holds a delicate thread of tension throughout, occasionally twanging the string to send its audience reeling and grasping for a handhold. I loved everything about Suspiria, from the direction and acting, especially from lead actor Dakota Johnson as American dancer Susie Banyan, to the cinematography and haunting soundtrack by Radiohead lead singer Tom York. For those unfamiliar with either this film or the 1977 original, Suspiria is the story of an American dancer who joins a prestigious dance company in Berlin, leaving behind her Mennonite family. Set against the backdrop of the German autumn of 77, Susie is soon confronted with the odd goings-on at the combined studio and dormitory. A former dancer has gone missing, and her psychologist is determined to find out what happened to her. Susie develops a relationship with her teacher, the ever-intense Madame Blanc, played by Tilda Swinton, that is motherly, sexual, and sinister. Soon enough, the secret is revealed. The Marcos Dance Company is hiding a coven of witches who have put into action a conspiracy to bring back one of the ancient and powerful Three Mothers. When I went to see this film, my wife Sandy and I ran into a friend coming out of a different movie. When we told him what we were going to see, he told us a story about one of his friends who had nearly fainted watching the movie and had to leave the theater. What our friend didn't know was that the clerk at the ticket counter had told us the same story, with a bonus story of another audience member leaving the theater and throwing up. Now, I will say that if you have a problem with body horror, there are scenes that are. unpleasant. But for the most part, Suspiria is a psychological horror movie, a film that picks at your brain more than at your guts. The constant background hum of suspense is what makes it work, and the terror of seemingly ordinary people who are up to extraordinarily horrific things is what makes this a movie I'm still thinking about today. I've probably gone on long enough, so let me wrap the rest of this up before it's actually 2019. I haven't been reading a lot of new comics this year, a combination of disinterest and economics, but one that I thoroughly recommend is The Terrifics. A team-up book in the very obvious vein of the Fantastic Four, The Terrifics brings together Metamorpho, a new Phantom Girl, Mr. Terrific, and my boy, Plastic Man. The book spins out of the events of Dark Knight's Metal, but that series mostly serves as a launching pad for The Terrifics and has little to do with what comes next. Oh boy, and what comes next? I don't want to spoil anything for anyone since, at this recording, the series is only ten issues in, not including an annual, and Jeff Lemire delivers a tightly written book that spills naturally from one issue to the next. My only complaint? I wish they'd pick an artist and then stick with it. All of the artists, including Evan Doc shanner Dale Eaglesham, Joe Prado, and others, so far have ranged from solid to great. But having that up in the air every few issues makes me nervous. Come on, DC, commit to the title and get a regular artist on there. As for readers, if you're a fan of fun, heartfelt comics with great characterization, snappy dialogue, and plenty of action, pick up the Terrifics. The first trade is already available, and it'll get you hooked. Oh, and one more thing. mirror also writes my absolute favorite plastic man in years. I might even go so far as to say he writes a perfect plaz. No kidding. Finally, Gamma Bomb dropped Speed Between the Lines this year, and I'm all over this latest album. Gamma Bomb is a band out of Northern Ireland who speak the international language of old-school thrash, and as someone who suffered through the dark times of new metal Gamma Bomb is like a soothing balm made of scrap metal and Godzilla movies. The band is delightfully goofy, offering listeners songs with titles like Motor Geist, We Are Going to Eat You, 6 and Kurt Russell. Never shy about wearing its collective love on its sleeve, many of the songs are about ninjas and giant monsters and always, always moving at lightning speed. I will warn you, though, If metal is not in your heart, you probably won't like much that Gamma Bomb has to offer. But, if you've ever thrown up the horns or air guitar to megadeth or municipal waste, you'll want to plow this into your ear holes now. And with that, I hope you've all been having very happy holidays, and I wish you all the best in 2019.
5: into a bar. You finish
2: it. <laughs> good afternoon, everybody.
3: Oh, no, no, How's life treating you, Norm?
2: He caught me in bed with his wife. <laughs> How's life treating you, Norm? Like I just ran over its dog. How's it going, Norm? Daddy's rich and i good looking. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Hello, everybody. Ryan Daly here, the host of Cheerscast, Midnight the Podcasting Hour, and Once Upon a Time, the Secret Origins Podcast. I am also the co-host of Batman Nightcast, and occasionally I do some other stuff here on the network. Despite ending 2017 on a pretty somber note and retreating to what Rob Kelly referred to as Last Jedi Therapy for a couple of months, 2018 was actually a pretty joyful year for me as far as my geek hobbies went. For this segment, I'm going to do a general overview of the movies, TV, toys, and comics that brought me joy this past year. I'll start with the movies because this shouldn't take that long. As best as I can recall, I only saw five new movies in the theater this year, which actually, and maybe sadly, seems pretty consistent for a couple of years now. I saw the three Marvel Studios releases, of course, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I did manage to see Black Panther and Avengers multiple times. I loved both of these movies. Black Panther has been one of my favorite superheroes forever, so to see him get his own movie and to see what it meant for African and African American culture, black audiences, black artists, obviously I can't share their experience, but I really appreciate that they do for what it meant to them. As for Avengers, it was an incredible experience. I am still amazed at what they were able to accomplish in this movie. Not just from the big budget spectacle, but on the smallest emotional levels too. It's simply astounding. As for Ant Man and the Wasp, that was a letdown. Uh, I enjoyed the movie when I first saw it, but then as more time passed, I like it less and less. It is not a bad movie, it's just fine. Uh, Paul Rudd is charming and he's likable, which helps to mask the biggest problem I have with the movie, which is that there's actually no reason for his character to be in the story other than, well, it's a sequel to his movie, so you've got to put him in there. There is a lot in Ant-Man and the Wasp that I do like, and I think it's fun, and I think it's worth the occasional rewatch, but uh, it is one of the weakest of the MCU movies I'm finding right now. It's definitely in the bottom five. That was it for the comic book movies that I saw, though, this year. I didn't see Deadpool 2 or Venom. Don't really plan to. At the time of this recording, I do plan on seeing the animated Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, if I get the chance. And I figure I'll see Aquaman if Angie wants to. It's kind of up to her whether she wants to. She actually saw Justice League before me, and she liked it a little more than me. Uh, I did finally see last year's Justice League movie this past summer. It did not bring me joy. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people liked it, but it did nothing for me. Uh, Other movies that I saw in the theater, I saw Solo. And my take on it is that, you know what? It's a highly enjoyable Star Wars movie, but it's also a bad Han Solo origin movie. I just, I never felt like I was watching Han Solo. And the bits that they forced into the story to make little connections, they all felt heavy-handed or sometimes just dumb. Uh, i wish they had called him any other name make up a brand new character or borrow something it could have been dash rendar from shadows of the empire um it could have been it could have just been lando's story donald glover was great in the part uh i would have w- rather watched hit this movie with him in the lead you know growing up from scraps to become this you know rich successful gambler con artist um and i liked lando and his ultra feminist droid more than i liked han and chewie in this one chewie was fine but yeah. Uh, the only other new movie that I saw was Creed II, and I talked about this at length with Mark Marble on the Lantern cast. Really, really enjoyed that movie. The first Creed blew me away, and I might even like the sequel better. And in watching both of them recently, that also forced me to go back and re-watch the Rocky movies that I grew up watching. And when I was a kid, we had the Rocky movies on VHS, and I watched them all the time. But uh, eventually, I, I mean, I just stopped, and I haven't seen most of them in 20 years or more. But I recently started re-watching them, and it is a blast to revisit the franchise. Rocky and Creed, these movies do bring me joy. Uh, okay, wow, I had more to say about movies than I thought I did. Uh, as for TV, uh, I haven't had time to discover any new shows, really. And there are tons tons that I want to see and that I hear great things about, Uh, but because my day-to-day life is so consumed with raising a toddler, by the time he goes to bed or he takes a nap, I am so wiped that I just want the comfort food version of TV. I don't want anything that I have to think about or process new. I just rewatch stuff that I love. I've watched a bunch of Cheers because of the podcast, and I've also rewatched The Office, Parks and Recreation, the BBC Sherlock, Night Court, BoJack Horseman, although I'm now, I think, a a season behind on that. That's, I mean, yeah, that's all I can think of for TV. Another place that I found my joy in 2018 was spending my son's college fund on toys for me. In particular, I bought a ton of the 6-inch Marvel Legends action figures. This collection actually started in 2017 when, I believe, our friend of the network Luke Dobb posted a picture of the Walgreens-exclusive Invisible Woman figure. I didn't have any other Marvel Legends up to that point, but if they were finally going to start making good-looking Fantastic Four toys, I had to have them. And the Sue Storm figure looked so good, too. Beautiful head sculpt, great color on the costume, looked classic and timeless at the same time, and I I thought I would just get the Fantastic Four figures, but it took like a full year for them all to come out, and in between, I felt the itch to get some of the vintage wave figures like Captain America and Spider-Man and Hawkeye, and then before long, others that I just thought looked cool, like Ghost Rider on his Hell Cycle and Black Panther and the new Ms. Marvel Before long, I had a pretty deep bench of heroes, and initially that's all I needed because the plan was just to display them in the nursery or somewhere. But, if I'm lucky, my son will eventually grow up to like this kind of crap too. And if he's going to have 20-something superheroes, then he needs 20-something supervillains so they can all face off Secret War style. So I bought Doc Ock and Green Goblin, the Enchantress, Thanos, and even Cottonmouth, if you can believe it. Anyway, I got a ton of these figures, and now they look great on display, and hopefully someday I'll let Reese play with them. I can show him how to swap out Morbius' cape to make it look like he's flying, or I can have Misty Knight dick punch Taskmaster with her bionic fist. That right there is joy, I tell ya. And that brings us to the comics, the last part of this segment. I would guess that 98% of my comic reading this year has been on the Marvel Digital Unlimited app. And considering that I had this app for about two years and hardly ever used it, the amount of reading I have done on Marvel Unlimited since the birth of my kids seventeen months ago staggers me. I have read or reread so many comics that I can't name nearly all of them, but some of the highlights include the end of the Jim Shooter run on Avengers, all the way up through Roger Stern's run, basically a hundred issues or so. Also the West Coast Avengers miniseries and the first 25 issues of the ongoing. Captain America and Iron Man from right around Secret Wars up through the end of the Captain storyline in Cap and the Armor War story in Iron Man. Uh, I reread most of the John Byrne Fantastic Four run up through the era where Crystal and a different Ms. Marvel have replaced Reed and Sue. I've read three different eras of Thor comics from the end of the Stanley and Jack Kirby run through Jerry Conway and John Buscema working on the character. Also, the Tom DeFalco and Ron Frenz era that picked up right after Walt Simonson left. I've read this up through issue 400. I also continued reading the modern Jason Aaron Thor series, which finally finished up the whole Thor goddess of Thunder saga, which was amazingly well done. Uh, I know for a lot of people, Simonson's Thor is the high point of the character, but seriously, what Jason Aaron has done over the last couple of years, it's better. Uh, what else? I have read multiple eras of The Hulk, from the Tales to Astonish stories by Leon Kirby or Leon Ditko to the Bill Mantlo and Sal Buscema run. I actually read the end of this run some time ago, but I went back to where it started and I have nearly caught up to where I was. Uh, I've also started collecting the current Immortal Hulk series written by Al Ewing. As of now, this is not on Marvel Unlimited yet. The series just started this year. But I love it so much that I am reading it on Comixology every month. So good. Uh, I read classic Silver Surfer series by Lee and Buscema, the 80s One-Shot by Byrne, and the first couple dozen issues by Englehart and Rogers that came after that. Other random stuff that I read this year, the Nick Spencer Astonishing Ant-Man series, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, John Byrne's She-Hulk, the 90s Guardians of the Galaxy stories, like the first 10 issues of that the Tanisi Coates Black Panther series, the first Hercules miniseries by Bob Layton, the original Deathlock stories from Astonishing Tales, also the newest Falcon series, which unfortunately isn't very good, but also the recent Captain America run by Mark Waid and Chris Samney, which is amazing. And Seriously, I might do a Find Your Joy episode just on their first arc. In September and October, I read a bunch of Marvel horror, including Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night, and Monster of Frankenstein. Also, the Living Mummy comics from Supernatural Thrillers. Those mummy issues aren't on Marvel Unlimited, as far as I know, but I have a lot of them individually, and the rest, they're collected in the Essential Marvel Horror Volume 2. Lately I have had Namor the Submariner on my mind and I have read a bunch of his comics from the Tales to Astonish adventures that led into a solo series as well as the early 90s John Byrne Namor but I also went even further back and started reading the or sometimes rereading Namor's golden age strips from Marvel Mystery Comics and Submariner Comics others like that And it reminded me that Marvel Comics Issue 1 premiered in 1939, and next year, 2019, will be the 80th anniversary. So, I think the Fire and Water Network might have something to say about that anniversary. I mean, given that the Human Torch and the Submariner both debuted in that comic, you know, Fire Guy, Water Guy, I think I can probably get Rob and Shag on board. But watch, I'll just have them on the show to talk about the KSR story. Anyway, I'm sure there are still tons of comics that I'm forgetting I read, probably tons of TV shows that I'm forgetting I watched too, but even still, it's a whole lot of these media, these art forms. They still keep me entertained, they still keep me relatively sane. I hope I can find as much joy in the movies and comics and TV and toys in the new year as I did this past one. Until then, thank you for listening and Happy New Year. All right, folks,
0: that's going to do it.
6: Our thanks to everyone else who participated
0: in this episode. Sorry that Rob and I went so long. Rob's just such a talker.
1: Oh, my gosh. I apologize. Any-
0: <laughs> anyway, folks, let's all wave a fond farewell to 2018 and uh, get ready for an exciting 2019. Hopefully, it's going to be fantastic. Thank you so much for listening and being part of this community, folks. It really is. It's a collective. It's, it's a community of people who come together. Uh, with like uh, interests and and we really we couldn't do it without you we wouldn't want to do it without you guys and you really are part of the part of this show and part of the discussion in fact why don't you go out to our website which is fireandwaterpodcast.com go out to the shows tab FW Presents find the show tell us what you found your joy in 2018 wouldn't that be great Rob? that would be awesome I'd love to hear from you guys tell us what you're looking forward to in 2019 so um, well anything else we want to say Rob? no other than I guess to see you guys next year alright folks Van the flame and ride the wave.
5: Why, wow, what wood brick?